This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this week's show on Friday, April 8th, 2022. This week's show starts on a somewhat sad note. We lost Estelle Harris this past week. Did you ever get the chance to interview her? I never did. I mean, by the time I was kind of going, you know, to all these junkets, I think she was a little past that point. You know what I mean? She had a reoccurring role on the Disney Channel's Sweet Life with Zach and Cody. Yes. She was Muriel. And through somebody on the show, I got the chance to sit down with her. And she actually didn't start acting till when her kids grew up. So she starts at 53. And her very first film role was in Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in America. Really? Yeah. You know, 1984. How would you like that to be your first gig? Now, mind you, I don't know which cut of Once Upon a Time in America. She that's true. I think I've seen every one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And then her first TV role was on Night Court in 1985, where she played Easy Mary, an elderly hooker. Who could forget Easy Mary? <laughs> but, uh, but of course, the role that puts her on the map is George Costanza's mom, also called Estelle. That character doesn't even show up in the series till episode 11 of season four. Yeah, I didn't re- I, I read that when mm. uh, they were sort of talking about her career, and I did not realize that because she's so baked into the success of that series. Absolutely. You think she was there from the beginning. She debuts as part of the contest. Wasn't it actually listed as the number one Seinfeld episode? I'd say we're doing the retrospectives and all that. It's pretty hard to beat that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to do that joke. <laughs> I am the master of my domain. I'm not going to do that joke. So, of course, George Costanza's mom puts Estelle on the map, at least as far as animation theaters are concerned. Remember when she came on the scene in Toy Story 2? I mean, that's literally the chef's kiss of casting. Who else to be the voice of Mrs. Potato Head to Don Rickles' Mr. Potato Head? I mean, that was a great bit of casting, and... She comes back two more times in the franchise. She reproduces the role in Toy Story 3 in 2010 and then Toy Story 4 in 2019. In fact, that performance was her very last film role. But the other thing is, just research tonight before we did the show, she did a lot of moms in animation. And these three, I, I just had to mention. She's the voice of Professor Hubert J. Farnsworth's mom in Futurama. She's the mom of Sylvester the Cat in the Looney Tunes show. And then finally, she was Death's mom on Family Guy. And that's her paired with Norm MacDonald. That was her voice. But she could not have been nicer. She was the sweetest thing. And in fact, she got such a kick over the fact that this is the career that she wound up with, that people hired her to be annoying. Anyway, family released a statement on Saturday night uh, saying uh, this is through Harris's son, Glenn. 
Uh, it is with the greatest remorse and sadness to announce that Estelle Harris has passed on this evening at 6.25 p.m. Her kindness, passion, sensitivity, humor, empathy, and love are practically unrivaled, and she will be terribly missed by all those who knew her, which is true. On behalf of Drew, I want to offer our sincerest condolences to the friends and family of Estelle Harris during their time of sadness. So, uh, anyway, lots of happier news to get to on this week's show, which reminds me. The news portion of Fine Tuning is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, Drew, so back in March, or leading up to the release of Turning Red, there were all these stories, lots of anonymous sources, supposedly talking for people in Emeryville about how upset they were about how this Domi Shi film was not going to get a theatrical release and somehow that was going to diminish the property. And Didn't really understand that at the time. Understand it less, especially now that we have a Academy Award Best Picture uh, <laughs> streaming film. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Nielsen just this week released their weekly streaming chart and Turning Red is now number one. That Pixar film has been viewed by Disney Plus subscribers for a total of 1.7 billion minutes. Given how fervently people have embraced Turning Red, is it really any surprise to hear the announcement about how Lindsay Collins, who produced Turning Red, and writer-director Domi Shi have just been promoted into leadership positions at Pixar? Not a surprise at all. Mm. So uh, what do you know about the role that Collins has been promoted into? She is now a senior vice president of development, which makes sense before uh, turning red. And after finding Dory, she was heading up the spark shorts programs and the, and some of the incubator mm -hmm. things at Pixar. Mm -hmm. So this is like a supersized version of that, where she will lead a development group at Pixar for features and streaming where current and upcoming filmmakers originate story ideas and shape them into movies for production. So I think she is just going to be helping this next crop of filmmakers as they get ready because, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of demands, Jim, from theatrical and streaming and, you know. Yeah. They got to be there for no, it. No, 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 definitely, definitely. We're, we're Domi is now a vice president of creative and she's going to share that title with uh, Dan Scanlon, right? But yeah, basically now she's a member of the Pixar Brain Trust. This is like a group above the Brain Trust. Oh. She was actually, a, she's been a part of the Brain Trust for the last few years. Okay. So this is like, yeah, I think these are more like, you know, these are the top bananas. Because mm -hmm. she's she's basically there with Stanton, mm -hmm. Peter Stone, and Dan Scanlon. And so I think they also all get executive producer credits on every movie. So. Oh, okay. So Turning Red is a great, great movie produced under extraordinary difficult conditions. I'm in the pandemic. So it's genuinely nice for, for Ms. Collins and Ms. Shee to see them, their efforts get this sort of recognition and reward. By the way, uh, while we're talking about Nielsen's streaming service, it's worth noting that Encanto is still chugging along. Just this past week, that anime feature added 783 million more minutes of viewing on Disney+. And Nielsen goes with minutes rather than how many times an individual movie or TV show gets watched because people sometimes don't finish watching a, an entire movie or TV show or 
they fire up Netflix or Apple Plus or Amazon or Disney Plus just to watch one specific element of a movie or TV show like we didn't talk about Bruno number and Encanto. Which did you see the uh did you see the sing along song version that's up on Disney Plus now? I have none. Oh wow. Yeah. They're actually doing a group of I think we talked about that earlier. We but did, yeah, it's yeah. on Disney Plus. Yeah. I've been meaning I so. gotta, again I gotta carve out the time to do that. Speaking of carving out time, when are you next headed to Disneyland? Oh, who knows, Jim. Because on Monday, April eleventh the park is going to debut an Encanto-themed projection show, which uh, they're doing deep in the park. They're going to be presenting this a couple times a night on the Small World facade. Which I think is very weird. But Remember when they, they, they did the projection show on the castle and Main Street USA where the show opened, where they surrounded you with orange groves? Yes, for the 60th. There we go. So what they did to try to alleviate the crowding on Main Street is they would actually show the film element projected on the small world facade as well. They've done this previously. The projection equipment is there, so... Why not? And also, remember, they've they've just closed Mickey's Toontown, so they're, they're looking to entertain people who are back in that part of the park looking for stuff to do. So, of course, we don't talk about Bruno is going to be prominently featured in this thing. Likewise, I guess they're doing a meet and greet with Mirabelle. She will... See. Si. Hmm? I'm sorry. I said see. Si. That is Spanish. <laughs> Our Spanish-speaking listeners will know that, that, is, that means yes. Well, there we go. All right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Maynard High School Education. C. Oh, the letter that comes after B. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, check the entertainment schedule to find out where Maribel is. She's going to be in the uh, Frontierland Zocalo Park. And then on Friday, April 22nd, the Main Street Electrical Parade, which uh, they lied to us, it didn't glow away forever, it returns to Disneyland <laughs> Park. And in place of that patriotic finale, which I know you're not supposed to call a salute to all nations, but mostly America, but that's that's what I thought, you know, whenever I saw yes. it. That's now been retooled, and it's a celebration of modern Walt Disney Animation Studios productions like Moana, Ray and the Last Dragon, Frozen, and of course, Encanto. But again, I know you don't know when you're going to Disneyland next. I just want to stress that this Encanto projection show is supposed to be short-lived. But in Disney park speak, what does that mean? Weeks, months, only five years? I mean, we've... we've uh... We've still gone longer than the space between Frozen opening and the announcement for Frozen Ever After at Epcot, so we'll see. We'll see. The projection show debuts Monday, April 11th. The electrical parade is the 22nd. 22nd. Mind you, on that very same night, April 11th, the trailer for Pause of Fury is supposed to be released online, and... This is the project that was originally called Blazing Samurai and then got yes. picked up by Paramount, which changed the name to Pause of Fury, and it's supposed to arrive in theaters on July 15th. This has been flying under the radar for years, right? It's an animated reimagining of Mel Brooks's Blazing Saddles set in Japan, Directed by Rob Minkoff of multiple Disney features and with Mel Brooks himself speaking. And you ruined it for me because you saw it today, right? I saw it yesterday when I snuck out to watch Sonic 2. Okay. And? Uh, and? 
it's unclear wh- what decade this thing was made in. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fart jokes. Uh, you know, Sam Jackson mm-hmm. doing an MF joke. Mm-hmm. It's telling that I, I talk to Rob pretty regularly and he has never <laughs> mentioned this movie once. I mean, yeah, I don't know, Jim. I, I'm hoping for the best, but that trailer did not do it any any favors, let's say that. Jeez. Then <laughs> too quickly pivot to, to Sonic 2. How did we how do we like the animation in that? The animation looked pretty solid. I mean, I think they were probably constrained. I, I noticed another review saying how inexpressive the characters were, and I think that that might just be a limitation of time because it feels like they put this movie together in about six weeks. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it was fine. If you like the first one, you'll probably like this one. Okay. Idris Elba is, is pretty fun as the kind of killer. Okay. Knuckles, Echidna. right? Okay. Yes. Yeah, Knuckles. Side note, as, as part uh, while he was out doing press for Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Jim Carrey supposedly was talking about retiring, that he, it's, it's like, I've got enough. I've done enough movies. But what do you make of that? I would hate to see him go. <laughs> I love him to death, yeah, but no. um, if, he, if he is going to retire, I think they need to find somebody new for Sonic 3, because I'm sure that'll be... Mm, that's you saw the, how much money it made last night, so I think it's kind of a sure thing at this point. Oh, well, we already have the teaser scene or whatever, so yes. teeing up 3. Well, okay. Again, I apologize for the the pause of fury trailer, but on the other hand, have you seen the teaser for this tape deck is a time machine yet? No, I haven't because it's kind of an interactive thing. So it is, it is. But yeah. what's interesting is that yes, it's actually been put together uh, using Epic Games Unreal Engine and using some real time animation techniques, but. There's a trailer for this thing, uh, just a tease, which they're describing as a series for Netflix, not a film, a series. And it's spectacular, Drew. I cannot recommend highly enough heading on over to Cartoon Brew to check this out. Uh, It's three minutes, 11 seconds long. And the premise is that this time-hopping teenager uses a portable cassette player to visit musically charged moments in other people's lives. And I know that sounds impossible, but when you see the visuals, when you see what Patrick has put together here, uh, and again, you know, given what he's done previously, Pearl is his as well, right? Pearl, yeah, and he also recently co-directed the Billie Eilish there we go. Uh, concert movie on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. He, he did some re- very cool things that looked like they probably used some real-time engines um, on that, too. No, just absolutely amazing-looking. And the only frustration here is it's coming soon. It's like, how soon? When? I want to see more of this. Speaking of something else I uh, really wanted to see was the, the live stage version of Hayao Miyazaki's Spirited Away, which uh, just finished its run in Tokyo and is, is the production's now headed to Osaka. But again, given that Japan, due to pandemic-related concerns, isn't allowing tourists in or international travelers, well, that wasn't going to happen. So my only hope was this live stage production of the Studio Ghibli film might someday in some form tour the States. But then did you see that Hulu announced earlier this week 
that on July 3rd and again on July 4th, they're going to present two live streams of this stage show as the tour of Spirited Away closes at the Nagoya Misonazo Theater. Well, that's only in Japan so far. So we don't know if we're going to get it. Yeah. Oh, you're killing me. Yeah, they haven't announced if it's going to be in America yet. So uh, I can. I'll, I'll, how about that? I will be, do my due diligence and I will look into this. Okay. But so far, it's only J- Hulu Japan. No. Yes. Oh. oh. <laughs> okay. Not that I'm saying I want any corrupt fine tuning listeners who are maybe in Japan to maybe tape this and. Send a copy stateside to Drew and I, but hey, we could come to an understanding and arrangement. Okay, well, something that I do, in fact, know is available to people here in the States happens this week, April 11th, uh, Gallery Nucleus, which, by the way, this is where Drew did, did a panel and a signing for your great art of Pixar's Onward book there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always I'm always down to host something at, at Gallery Nucleus. I think it is a great place. I just did one with our buddy Dave Bossert for his uh, Claude Coates book there. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we always have fun at, at Gallery Nucleus, and I'll tell you why this one is going to be special, but go ahead, Jim, and you can read the read the ad copy. Okay, well, this is at their actual gallery space in La Hambra, California, at 201 East Main Street. It is a panel in person, live and in person. Remember when they used to do that, Drew? Live and in person? I events? do. You know, as well as a virtual take on this thing. But it's a panel and a book signing with the creatives behind DreamWorks' next animated feature, The Bad Guys. And Pierre Piriferal, Aaron Babby, uh, Luke Deshmalhajin, Matt Baer, and Florian Marchin are also supposed to be taking part in this panel and signing. And I am ordering my copy of The Art of DreamWorks Bad Guys. Evidently, Gallery Nucleus has an exclusive on this. Well, let me tell you what this is. And I will tell you why everybody has to do this mm-hmm. because it's great. And this is not just me being friends with the okay. team over there. Mm-hmm. So most of the DreamWorks features now only have art books that are sold at the store on campus. No. Including Art of the Bad Guys. And let me tell you, as someone who has watched this movie and, mm-hmm. and loves it, mm-hmm. you have to get this book. I mean, this is the most art of worthy animated movie you know, I've seen since probably the Mitchells. Like, okay. it is just amazing. Okay. So, this is an exclusive. Mm-hmm. It's only available here. Do it. Get it signed by all these amazing people. I don't know what else to say. I mean, come no, on. No, no, it's, no, no, It's no, a no-brainer. No, no. It's yeah. a 178-page hardcover. Very reasonable. $49.95. I mean, if you know from any other, buying any other art of books for movies, that's a pretty decent price point. But again... Uh, signing a panel is from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time. And again, that's Thursday, April 14th. And by the way, if you want to do the virtual thing, it's just a $5 ticket. And I am so jealous of you having seen this film already because I'm foraging for crumbs, Drew. I have seen the featurettes. I have seen yes. a lot of the great behind the scenes stuff like they have sort of their take on the Encanto choreography of We Don't Talk About Bruno Evidently, there's a big dance number in the middle of this thing, and 
they showed the live action reference for it and it looked amazing. Yeah. Speaking of stuff popping up online and the Marmaduke trailer <laughs> showed up earlier this afternoon. I mean, I, I don't want to be mean because this thing has been in the works for quite some time. It was originally supposed to come out in 2020 and then Netflix just recently acquired it right and to for release on May 6th. But how much footage in this trailer does the fart joke take up? It's, it's a good third of this thing, right? Yeah, I mean, J.K. Simmons yeah. is like the Michael Caine of our time. He never says no to anything, <laughs> but I think that maybe you should have said no to this one. Oh, oh. wasn't Michael Caine in the Bahamas shooting Jaws the Revenge? Yeah. When he won the Academy Award for Hannah and her sisters. And he, and he, could, yeah, and he couldn't go. He couldn't go because he was, yeah. but it was again, you know, it's like it's a check. I'm going to pick up the check. So, mm-hmm. yes, I mean, Drew is not wrong. And I, and I love J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Great work on Gravity Falls, for sure. Yeah. I also enjoyed him in, uh, you know, in fact, for me, he was the, the most enjoyable thing in meeting the Ricardos. He, you know, he really made William Frawley. Oof. I did. Okay, there's <laughs> that's the noise you make after a very long fart joke. Okay, tell you what, folks, we're going to take a break here to clear the stink out of the room. But when we get back, Drew is going to tell us about talking with the filmmakers behind Apollo 10 and a half. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, the fart smell has now dissipated. Vague whiff of, of surf and turf in here right now, folks. And that's largely because the Bob's Burgers uh, movie trailer is out. Likewise, the poster with the Get Your Buns in Theaters. That has real bust a moo on April 22 it, it, vibes. It does. <laughs> and I was looking at this and then I realized May 27th, that's the exact same day that Top Gun Maverick arrives in theaters. Likewise, also when Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind opens down in Florida. Also the second day of Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim. I don't even think H. John Benjamin, he's the guy who voices Bob and Bob's Burgers. I don't even think his mother is going to go on opening weekend to this thing. Yeah. This thing got pushed back so many times they couldn't move it away from Top Gun Maverick. Jim, I you know, I've been skeptical about this movie existing at all. I know, I know. And, and I, th- <laughs> I, I think you're going to win. I don't, think, I don't think the release date really, you know, s- says it one way or the other. Because I feel like if no one goes to see a movie, does it exist? No, that's but- it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Very good on the, the, the tree in the forest analogy. Thank you. <laughs> on the other hand, June 24th, we get another trailer just dropped for uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, uh, Jenny Slate's passion project, which, did you hear any word coming out from South South West about this? Or? Yeah, I, everybody who saw it just 
fell in love. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the trailer, I think you can see why okay. it, re- it really looks cute. And for animation fans, mm-hmm. it's important to note that the Chiodo brothers mm-hmm. did the puppets um, for, or the creature, the stop motion creatures for <laughs> this movie. So gotta, we're a long way from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I was but. about to say, you know, <laughs> oh, God. Okay. They've been doing cuter stuff. They did that Netflix thing about the alien. They did. Uh, at Christmas. So, yeah. They did. Okay. Just to follow up on, on a story we did last show, we talked about what happened at the Oscars. Not Will Smith, but I'm sure everyone saw the story that dropped today about him being barred from the Academy Awards for 10 years. I heard they're taking away his uh, Subway sandwich coupon <laughs> clip card, too. Well, so there we go. Yeah. You know, the, the, the ruling had teeth. But, yeah, we were talking about uh, how Lily James and Naomi Scott and how Holly Berry uh, came on stage uh, to present the best animated feature uh, thing and were somewhat dismissive about I'm sure you've seen these films over and over and over again because your kids watch them. And it was interesting to have... Phil Lord and Chris Miller. This this was a piece for Variety, wasn't it? Uh, come, yes. Come out and just try to defend the industry's attitude uh, toward animation or counter it, I, I guess I should say. And I mean, they, they pointed out 25% of the money that Hollywood made last year was on the back of animated features, right? Yeah. I like that they kind of celebrated all the nominees and yes. all the ones that have come out recently. Yeah. It was, it was really nice. No, it, I mean, I, I I love what these guys do. I love that they don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. They, they And Mitchell's Vicious Machine took every animation award except the, the, the Oscar. And very much looking forward to... You know what these guys are, are going to do with Spider-Man, you know, across the Spider-Verse part one later this year. But when you look at something like Spider-Man No Way Home, and if you you take the effects work that's in that film, and, and again, that was a two hour, 35 minute long movie, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you pulled all of the effects work out of that film and laid it end to end, You'd have an animated feature's worth of of CG, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, probably two animated features worth. I think I saw something online recently that they said there was animated something in every single shot. That's the thing that's lunacy to me. It's like when you look at the films today who so heavily feature effects work, that's animation. And the fact that why is it that people in the industry would be dismissive of animation what is such a huge part of the top 10 films that are, are released every year? And the only people who could keep working during the pandemic were the animators? Yes, like, yes. It's pretty insane. It is. And also, I don't know if you saw the follow-up piece here where they talked about how the best animated feature category was created out of fear that, well, the year that Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Picture Oscar. And I was like, oh, we don't want that to happen. We don't want to compete against those things. So let's create their own little category off to the side here. Let's set up the kids' table. Well, I mean, the category wasn't created until 10 years after Beauty and the Beast. No, that's true. That's true. But it was just the conversations. and, And part of the conversation was that the $217 million that, 
Aladdin made and then the right. four or five hundred million dollars that that Lion King made. And and just suddenly it was like, okay, it's real money. So yeah. when you make real money in Hollywood, you get recognition, but you still have to sit at the kids' table. Well, you know, there's only so many Bank of America awards that you can win, according to <laughs> Mr. Katzenberg. This is true. This is true. Again, you know, Mr. Miller and Mr. Lord made a point of, of bringing up Flea and, you know, a lot of the other films that really sort of stretched the definition of animation, which hopefully is a nice segue to talking about Apollo 10 and a half, which you just did a wonderful piece for The Wrap, how Richard Linkletter's unmade Incredible Mr. Lippet remake inspired Apollo uh, 10 and a half. Have you watched it yet, Jim? I, I, I have not, but I, I again, God. you know, I, I got baking to do. The thing is, I don't see the fruits of this baking labor, so that's what, you know, hey, I need that I, lasagna. Hey, I'm, I'm mailing Alice a package <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> You counted some cookies. Okay. Okay. All so, right. Good. So now okay. I, I, I have to hear the start. Really? The Incredible Mr. Lippet? And no, this was not. Well, you remember that, he, the remake that he was going to do with Jim Carrey. That was That was him? Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. I think Eric Goldberg might have helped out on mm-hmm. some of that stuff, too. Um, but yeah, so Apollo 10 and a half is just great. And Jim, you're going to love it because okay. it's going to take you right back to the late 60s Can't in a wait. way that, um, yeah, mm-hmm. that no, that nothing besides some very strong hallucinogenics could, <laughs> <laughs> could create. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just really interesting. I know, Jim, mm-hmm. we've seen Linkletter's other animated features, oh, Waking yeah. Life and A Scanner Darkly. Mm-hmm. And so it was just interesting to talk about how these this one differs. And it actually is a lot more like a Fleischer Brothers cartoon from back in the day or the Walt Disney cartoons where it's not rotoscoped as much as it is just sort of um, it's keyframe animated based on live action reference. So whereas Scanner Darkly and Waking Life were were completely rotoscoped, everything in the room was rotoscoped, Mm -hmm. this is sort of taking bits of performance and doing keyframe animation and then designing everything that's around them, all the environments the props, all of that stuff. So I think they actually shot it for two weeks at Robert Rodriguez's studio in Austin Troublemaker. Oh, killer. Which is pretty cool. No, absolutely. I mean, Robert was always pushing the frontiers on on green screen and and what you Oh, killer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was just very interesting. And maybe, you know, maybe we can talk about it more after you watch it, Mm -hmm. but... um, the movie really does this fun thing where it kind of catalogs everything that was being watched at the time on television, mm-hmm. the movies, the the music. And so, you know, I was there's a section where I talked to to Tommy, who was a producer on the movie and also handled all the animation about, you know, like animating over footage from 2001. What was that like? That was must have been not daunting at all. And it's just it's a very fun <laughs> conversation. So, wow. yeah. But God, the Jim Carrey, Mr. Limpet, really? That was Linkletter? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. I think Stiller took it over, too, at one point, and then just never it never got off the ground. But the techniques that they used, because they were full-on, you know, designing shots and stuff, they applied to this, which is kind of the mixture of 2D and 3D animation, the variance of styles, um, and so all of that, you know, found its way into Apollo 10 and a half, which is great. And yeah, I just love the movie too. I think it's just so charming and fun. Killer. So cannot wait. But I, I have to tell you, I have a copy 
of the screenplay for this in the basement. And it's a significant departure from the Don Knotts film. I, I want to say Mr. Limpet is trying to liberate all of the fish that are trapped. I mean, in a weird sort of way, it's finding Dory, only it's everybody's getting out. And wasn't it that they were trying to do facial animation capture of Jim? Yeah. And then graft yeah. it onto a CG-like dolphin thing? Oh. <laughs> it was like a trout or something. Yeah, I, I have seen one or two work and concept images of this thing. And it just, between what I read of the script, which is very much in the style of Ace Ventura and the animation, it was just, it was just one of these things where it's like, I don't want to say train wreck, but it was like, wow, sticking the landing on this, finding the right tone and hitting the right animation yeah. style and getting the script to work. I actually feel bad for Mr. Linkletter, but at the same time, it might have been a kindness that this ultimately didn't go yeah. forward. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what we would have not had in his filmography because he was doing this mm-hmm. movie instead. So I I think he's one of the great sort of filmmakers, and every time he does something, it's really exciting. But this Apollo 10 and a half, especially for animation fans, is Quite a treat. Okay, so, well, can't wait. I look forward to hearing your thoughts, Jim. All right, I will we'll definitely check that out next week. Oh, you did lob one more story in over the transom before we get started here. Uh, do you want to talk about what Peter Ramsey, uh, the, the, the one of the directors oh, yes. on uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Rise of the Guardians? Yes, it's the first African-American solo filmmaker of, an, of a mainstream animated feature, mm-hmm. Peter Ramsey. Also a very lovely person Mm -hmm. who has just finished work on the Lost Ollie project for Netflix, which ILM is doing the animation for. Yeah. But he is, yeah, he's directing, they said at least one episode of the Ahsoka show coming to Disney+. Plus. Oh, that's so cool. Especially after learning last week that Mm -hmm. Andrew Stanton Mm -hmm. has co-written one of the episodes of Obi-Wan. Yeah. So Jim, I feel like we're we're inching towards Gendy coming back. I would we'll be see if cool. he could come back. And Drew has had the opportunity to talk with the creatives and some of the talent that's involved in the Disney sketchbook series, which we, we yes. we've talked about previously on the show. You also seen a couple episodes. Have you watched them yet? I I have my screeners. In fact, I I might watch them tonight. Can we tease? Can we talk a Yeah, well, bit? I mean, I think the show, I can talk about what I think of the show, which I think is really, really special and awesome and mm-hmm. is a big hat tip to Amy Astley, mm-hmm. our friend. There who we go. Produced this show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I got some good stuff out of Eric and I talked to Mark and I talked to Jen Kim. So all these will be coming out and uh, I didn't get assaulted on the way out by any publicity <laughs> people saying, wait a minute, <laughs> they shouldn't have said that. In fact, after our talk, Eric just looked over at Howard Green and said, did I get myself in trouble in that one? Howard said, no, you're okay. You're okay. So there you go. We're all good. We're all fine. Yeah. Everybody's fine. Oh, well, the old gang. You know, Eric, yes, Eric the old gang. Yeah, Howard. it was great to Very see everybody. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. Okay. Um, well, all right. I look forward to hearing about that. Likewise, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to do some stuff for the rap about that? or Yes, and I, and I also have some light year stuff coming up, which I can't talk about yet. But I can't say anything, but, I, <laughs> but we, it will be coming. It will be coming. Oh, you tease. I saw, I saw the red light on my forehead. <laughs> that, that's and I right. Said, I'll back off. Okay. okay. Uh, well, again, as entertaining as 
those interviews and those stories will undoubtedly be. Seriously, folks, if you're not already listening to, to Drew's Light Diffuse podcast, you are missing out on some truly amazing content. What do we got coming up with uh, well, Light Diffuse? Light Diffuse, this week we're talking to Ben David Grabensky, who is a filmmaker as well. We just recorded a great interview with um, somebody who is at ILM now, who was at Double Negative at the time, who did effects for rogue nation so that is a really great chat and every every animation fan will want to tune into that and then we're just getting ready for 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 uh, top gun maverick we're going to CinemaCon. we're doing our another another kamikaze you know 22 hours in vegas uh, situation so yeah but they're showing the whole movie that was leaked today so i can confirm that that is happening so we will be there on the front lines in the cockpit of top gun maverick could you tell folks how to find you on social media? Oh, yes. Uh, just Drew Tailored, like a tailored shirt. Mm. People make fun of me for saying that, Jim, on Twitter, but I don't know how else to I, no, get it across. No. Like the brave little tailor? Is that more there of an animation? Go. Friendly? Okay. What about you, Jim? What's going up with you? Working on, I, we can't talk about it yet, but we're doing some really cool stuff, Len and I. They just keep me out of it. That, that's the no, thing. He, no, he and Len, you know, I was supposed not, to go on the cruise, and now there's this new show I'm not a part, you know, they just keep. Not true. Baby in the corner, Jim. That is what this is. <sighs> All right. <laughs> um, but speaking of uh, the other shows, we do have uh, Disney Dish that I do with Len Testa. Uh, likewise, uh, Marvelous Disney, which I do with Internet Adams. Folks, if you could do Drew and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review Fine Tuning, that would be very, very helpful. If you're looking for us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram is Jim Hill Media and Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. That's going to do it for tonight, folks. Thank you for listening. And Drew and I will be back next week.